0: People will tell you what they think it is safe to tell you. And even if they are actually wrong about what they tell you, the fact that they thought that way has value. So someone can come to you and say something that is just factually incorrect. I can't believe it took us a week to do that project. And you know it took two days. But why do they think it took a week then? Somehow the signal got distorted between what actually happened and what they think happened. And that distortion is just as valuable as if they had been accurate with their original thought. But you have to take steps for two reasons.
1: You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Coke, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hey there, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Jackie Coke, and today we are talking with John McLaughlin. John is a former Army paratrooper, and professional who recently wrote a book about the hidden side of the military and how it can help anyone develop. The book is called How to Deal with Damn Near Anything, The Paratrooper's Guide to Life. And its goal is to highlight specific and surprising traits nurtured by military service and how those traits really can apply to everyday life. And we have a really fun conversation around the different skills that being in the military teach you. And what's interesting is that the two skills we discuss are probably not the typical ones that you think of when you think about former military turned management book. Lots of those exist out there. And this one, he definitely shines a light on different things that are so true. So I'm really excited for you to listen in and you also got to go snag a copy of this because it will definitely help you become a better leader. So let's dive in. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on with me. Thank you for having me. So excited to dig in. I didn't tell you this intentionally so that you would know about our topic, but I actually used to be a military wife. My ex-husband was in the Marine Corps. I think he might still be. I'm not really sure. But So I know a lot about the military, actually, and was really excited when you sent me a note about popping on and talking about some of the transferable lessons and skills and all of the things that I think the military really teaches people. So I'm really excited to have you on. So thanks for joining.
0: I'm happy to do so. Some of these will sound familiar to you then. People don't understand that military spouses are as much in the military. They may not have to wear the same hat the rest of us do, literally, but your life is just as defined in many ways by the military as it is for the person who gets the paycheck directly. For sure, for sure.
1: Cool. Well, talk to me a little bit about your background in the military. I'd love to know like, what you did in the military and what you're doing now.
0: Sure. So I first joined the military right after I graduated college, but I did not become an officer. And for folks that aren't familiar with how the military works at all, military is divided into officers and enlisted. Officers being the ones that do more commanding and planning and long-term operations. And then the enlisted people making all those plans into reality. In order to become an officer, you almost always have to go to college. But I didn't do that. I wanted to learn Arabic. And this was right after 9-11. So I was going to be a journalist, decided after everything had happened, I'd rather be a little more involved directly. So I go I enlist. I learn Arabic, go to Iraq, go to Afghanistan. That was a last, last minute change. We were supposed to go to Iraq again. Then <laughs> surprise, yeah. you go to a different country. After nine years of that, I was like, okay, I've reached an inflection point. I can keep doing this, reach 20 years, retire, and find a new career. But I feel like I have done enough of what I came here to do to switch gears. So I switched over to being part-time military, which is just once a month, and went to law school on the GI Bill at University of Virginia, and have had a couple different legal jobs since then. I worked at a nonprofit, worked at the Pentagon, and now I'm switching back and forth between full and part-time military as part of what is basically National Guard headquarters in the DC area, where I do various types of legal jobs, including look looking at cases of alleged wrongdoing and deciding whether those cases were handled appropriately. That's the short version, nine years full-time military, and now a little over nine years since I left the full-time military. And I realized that the lessons I had learned weren't getting taught elsewhere. That inspired me, especially during the pandemic, to go ahead and write some of those lessons down and share them with other people.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. Really appreciate that. So when can you retire? I can't remember because my ex-husband did the same thing. I think it's still 20 years, but you were able to at least capitalize on so much of the hard work, sweat and tears and still stay involved. So that's got to be really nice. How long until you can hang your hat on that?
0: I've been in 20 years. So technically I could throw down the paperwork, but I'm having a good time. And the ability to switch between part and full time gives me flexibility I need. So I'm going to hang out indefinitely for now. I have to get out age 60, at least for my circumstances, when I have to get out. That's still a good distance away. (laughs) Hopefully you
1: can be done by four then. (laughs) Exactly.
0: But honestly, once a month is fine. You never know. You got to be flexible. You can't get too emotionally attached to one particular plan. But 100%. As I sit here, I am happy enough to consider sticking around.
1: That's awesome. Good for you. I always love hearing from people like you who've taken I'm not even going to say taken advantage. Moved forward with your earned education and moving forward and continuing to pay it forward. So super excited to chat. Okay. So, talk to me a little bit. Tell me what your biggest struggle was in leaving the military and the day-to-day. What was the hardest thing about that for you in transitioning out of like active duty life, if you can recall?
0: Oh, I can recall. Anyone who dealt with me could recall. I was so judgmental with people. If you can turn judgment into electricity, I could have powered a major city <laughs> by myself. And it was because I was holding people to a standard They never asked to be held to. So it was unfair of me to do that. And I was coming from a place where I was in an airborne infantry unit, which is towards the higher end of the intensity spectrum in terms of types of military units. I loved it there. I had a great time. Now, I left because I'd had a great enough time and wanted something different. But what I didn't leave behind was judging people by certain criteria that didn't apply. Mm. And I was too slow to make that transition. People would exhibit a level of perseverance that I thought was slightly lower than they should have. Given all the advantages, I got to go to a great law school. If you can just get a degree there, you're set for life. Obviously, you can get sick and other things like that, but professionally, you're all set. If you can just be decent at all the other things that come with a job. So I was around people that I thought had it made. And I was a student again. I thought, that's a Great life. I'm in my early thirties and a student. I can do whatever I yeah. want at 3 p.m. today. I can go outside and play soccer and take a nap and do whatever I want. But other people weren't coming from that perspective. I failed to understand where they were coming from, and I was asking them to show traits that nobody had trained them to show. So how are they could just going kind to of magically learn these things? Like they're just going to get struck by lightning or have a light bulb over their head? So that was my biggest failing and my biggest challenge for the transition was being way too judgmental of people and not understanding where they had come from or what they had or had not been taught.
1: Yeah. That's fair. And I imagine there's a little bit of like, how do I want to phrase this? Do you know how many people are risking their lives for X, Y, Z or that? And you're going to do this? I can only imagine what that was like. It was Um. even
0: just complaining in general, even putting the stakes aside, putting the danger piece aside. It was like watching a bunch of dolphins be scared of water. It's like you are all capable of handling, but you're also scared. And obviously you, I'm sure picked up on the military. It's a much more Let's get it. Let's persevere. And that can have downsides if you overdo the confidence in the gung-ho. Certainly nothing is infallible, but seeing the lack of perseverance people had, even when the stakes were low was just shocking to me, shocking to me.
1: So I imagine all of a sudden the empathy kind of came in or something happened that you were like, okay, okay why do I look at things differently? What is it that makes me do things differently or people that I know from the military who do things differently? At what moment did you decide to reflect and be like, huh, I wonder if there's actually lessons here that I can teach other people? Like how long had you been out? And when did that happen? Was there like a moment that happened that you were like, whoa, this, the military set me up to do a lot more things than I even expected that it would.
0: Honestly, it took years. I would love to say that midway through law school, I had an epiphany and the the clouds parted, but that's not how it happened. It was very gradual. And it honestly took me working in addition to being at school because in Mm -hmm. law school, you can say, this is a very specific environment. Perhaps the problem is specific to this environment. Law school is its own vibe. But once I got out and I worked in other places and I met other people, I realized the things that I thought were lacking fairly or not. And he was usually fair diagnosis. The treatment was a little toxic, but the diagnosis was on point. Those things were also lacking elsewhere. It's like, okay, I need to take a step back. This is not a law student thing. This is not a legal profession thing. This is a wider question for me to answer. Why is my worldview so different from what's out here? Why do I feel like I'm capable of handling challenges when I see equally capable people who don't feel like they can tackle challenges? How did I get what they should have also? And If I have it, how can I try and give it to them?
1: So I'm assuming that's when the idea for the book came out, was during that time, or did you do things before that?
0: I started off by just being less sarcastic. That was my trial run for this. And then it started off in a more informal way, having conversations with people, working with people individually, as a friend, as a peer. And then once that started to bear fruit, I thought, okay, when the pandemic arrived, I had more time and I thought, let me try and do something structured with this. Let me try and encapsulate this in a way I can only talk to so many people. I'm an extrovert, but I'm not necessarily a salesman. So it wasn't my instinct to go out there and say, I'm going to do a startup on this. But I am a writer. I had a speech writing and journalism background before I joined the army. And but let me write something down. First, let me see if this is actually coherent, because this was just a bunch of ad hoc thoughts, one-off conversations. Does this actually hang together in any mm-hmm. kind of logical way? Or it's just a guy who thinks he's figured something out. So I had to go through the research. Look at all the social science research on these things, where the instincts I had from the military actually backed up by the research of the people who'd taken time to look at it in a rigorous way. So yes, it started off informally, one-on-one conversations. And then once I looked at the research and thought it agreed with me, once I saw nobody had already written the same book, that was my main concern. And I didn't want to write a book that was just wrong. And as soon as somebody looked up one survey, they'd be like, this guy's already was talked about. The other ways that the military creates this ecosystem that allows people to develop themselves. Self-awareness comes in the military for a few unique reasons, one of which is you spend so much time around people that you just can't and they can't keep up the kind of facades that we keep up for understandable reasons in the normal world. You see your boss 30 minutes a day, an hour a day. You prepare for that. You try to make sure it goes well. At one point, me and my boss got stuck in Kyrgyzstan together for a week. We're the only people we knew in Kyrgyzstan. We weren't allowed to go off the base. I guess we're going to get to be friends. And my joke is that it doesn't have to be BFFs. It's what I call BPR, best possible relationship. The goal through self-awareness isn't you're going to unlock this level of joy with everyone you meet. Just
1: wanted to take a minute and remind you that having your people operations and systems rock solid early on will not only save you money and resources, but will help you build a thriving and highly effective team much quicker. And guess what? We've got your back. My company, People Principles, has an incredible toolkit shop where you'll find everything you need to get your team on the right track. And more importantly, get all of your team operations and people operations on the right track. From hiring your dream team to navigating those tougher moments like terminations, we've got the resources that'll make it all easier. With our toolkits, you can dive right in and start implementing best practices today. You get straightforward and actionable tools, tips, and the templates to implement immediately. So head over to our website, peopleprinciples.co forward slash toolkits, and check out All the toolkits today, stop the endless Google searches and chat GPT promptings and get the tools you need built by us, HR experts.
0: You may still not like people you don't like, but you will find a way to have the best possible relationship with them. And the military enables that by breaking down a lot of the barriers we're otherwise able to put up that allow us and allow other people to hide. That's the first one is self-awareness. And a little bit can go a long way. Like you don't have to have heart to hearts with everyone. And even just a sprinkle can really make a difference.
1: Are there some tips you have for bosses to help create best possible relationships.
0: The number one thing you can do is signal that it's okay to provide feedback. People will tell you what they think it is safe to tell you. And even if they are actually wrong about what they tell you, the fact that they thought that way has value. So someone can come to you and say something that is just factually incorrect. I can't believe it took us a week to do that project. and You know, it took two days. But why do they think it took a week then? Somehow the signal got distorted between what actually happened and what they think happened. And that distortion is just as valuable as if they... They had been accurate with their original thought. But you have to take steps for two reasons. One, quiet people won't give feedback without knowing it's safe. And quiet people will have feedback that you can't access otherwise. And I say this as an extrovert, there's no reason that extroverted people are any more wise or knowledgeable than people who aren't gonna volunteer their thoughts. You have to be proactive. Doesn't mean you have feedback Friday, but everyone in the same room, that's incredibly awkward. Even little signals, such as handling a mistake well, show that people can put themselves out there a bit. And you can create an environment where people feel like they can be honest with you, even if it's just one-on-one conversations. And that will allow you to get the raw material you need to be more self-aware yourself and to create an environment where other people will get that honest feedback also. That's the biggest missing thing. Yeah. That exists in the military, but not elsewhere is that honest feedback.
1: It's interesting that you bring that up because you're right. And I see where that would have to just be a part of the military. You're going into some of the most dangerous situations ever. You need to know that. The person who has the great idea feels comfortable telling you about the great idea or whatever, right? But then in the military, there is also superiority built into it. So, like, how do those two complement each other? How did that complement each other?
0: It can go both ways. The best way is that because you have administrative authority that exceeds any civilian job, you don't have to prove you're in charge. So that should give you the confidence and the comfort to let people discuss things. Because you have a big old hammer, you can swing whenever you want Mm -hmm. in terms of pulling rank. But the existence of that hammer should be enough to keep you from having to take it off the wall, constantly and bog people on the head with it. Now, obviously, some people love the hammer. They just use it because they enjoy it. That's the kind of toxic leadership that can happen anywhere and is in some ways worse when it does happen. The existence of it under good leaders. And I'd say the average leader in the military is a good leader objective. The existence of that allows them to have the self-confidence and not need to constantly prove you're in charge because everybody knows you are set up that way by a bigger structure.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I would imagine that the people who get promoted the most and the quickest are those that know when to pull rank and when not to, I would imagine. Such a good lesson to take into leadership. That's a great one. Okay, what's the last snippet? The
0: last trait is the one that would be the least familiar word. People have heard of self-awareness before. right? There's yeah. enough to it, I promise, make it interesting. But It's something we've all heard of. The last one is insistence, and that is about setting standards and enforcing boundaries. So the military's got a million little standards that are written down, but the most important standards we have are implied. And the story I tell in the book is in basic training, the drill sergeant picked me to be a candidate for our honor graduate. So there's four people competing for it. He pulled me aside one day, which is already scary. One-on-one well, conversation with drill sergeants are rare things, and you don't really know what to expect. <laughs> you're <laughs> racking your brain, you're like, I haven't done anything wrong in the last I made like, my bed, my, my yeah. shoes
1: are tied, I definitely ironed. Yeah,
0: it's like it's late in basic training. I feel like I would know if you hate me already, but who knows, right? Our drill sergeant was amazing. So I wasn't worried about him specifically. But the one-on-one thing was a little nerve-wracking. So he pulled me aside. says, Who are you competing with? And I say, I'm competing with three other soldiers, drill sergeant. And he looks at me and goes, wrong, and just lets it sit there for a minute. I'm like, and he says, You are competing against the standard. And then he turns around and leads. And I'm just standing there. I'm in the drill sergeant tent now by myself, which is a big no-no. So I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here before someone sees I'm in here without permission. But when I had a chance to digest it later, I realized that he was talking about it, it doesn't matter who the three other people there were that day. They could have been three amazing people and I get my butt kicked and get forced. Or I could be first. What matters, I gave my best performance that I tried to reach for an objective standard of performance, of quality, of character that had nothing to do with temporary circumstances who happen to be or not be around me because those can be so distracting. What's going on, whatever drama or whatever legitimate problems you have. Right? I don't want to be dismissive. Drama can be a problem, even if it's not important, but there's important things too. Our attention's pulled a hundred different ways, a thousand different ways. How can we try to stay centered on some kind of North Star that is at least more objective than these temporary concerns and use? That to drive ourselves forward and to tell people who try to get in the way, not necessarily selfishly, but sometimes unknowingly, because they've got something on their mind that's important to them and just say, I can't help you right now. Can I help you in 10 minutes, in a week, in a month, whatever is appropriate for the task? But you have to be insistent on charting that course and not allowing yourself to be knocked off it by temporary concerns.
1: And also intentional. I think so many people go into business and they start servicing clients and then all of a sudden they have to hire people and things just casually come together. And then all of a sudden, like you've been in business for 10 years and you're like, I don't like how this is going. And it's because you didn't intentionally create anything. You just continued to show up. And I think the military obviously has such an intentional way of doing everything. And that's so important. So one thing I think a lot about is the transferable skills. So I do a lot of hiring. And so I think a lot about the transferable skills that people coming out of the military have for businesses. And I think sometimes people forget that. And I know we talked about like leadership traits and maybe these are one and the same. For anybody listening to the show who's hiring, what are some of the core traits or skills that people with a military background typically have? I say typically because they're still humans and humans are weird. But are there certain things that you feel like are often overlooked about people who've been in the military and are transitioning into the real world or different jobs?
0: Yes. Two things I can think of off the top of my head. One is that we're very practical thinkers. We generally don't get caught up in doing things strictly for appearances sake. We're all about getting things done. You can count on us generally to be straightforward, sometimes to a fault like I was when I was Mm -hmm. too sarcastic and too blunt with people. and I weigh out. But the good side of that is that we're very practical thinkers and we do a good job, like I said, with insistence of not getting distracted by unimportant things and staying focused on whatever the most important aspect of a situation is, getting through the noise and getting to the point. I think that's the first thing. And the second thing is, and this can be complicating for why veterans don't always have their skills understood, is that could be a very quiet competence because one of the side effects of being around people so much, it's good when it comes to self-awareness because you're going to get honest feedback you wouldn't get in a normal workplace. But there's no need to self-promote. Like, I'd see you eight hours a day, buddy. I know if you're good at your job or not, if I'm good at mine. And it's just going to be awkward if either of us tries to puff ourselves up in a way that the other person knows is just thirsty or needy. The problem is in the civilian world, you don't see people to that degree. You don't spend weeks on end in the same hut with someone. So veterans will not always be as proactive and advocate for themselves as their skills would justify. So that's something I want people to keep an eye out. Just because a veteran doesn't sell themselves as eagerly or as skillfully doesn't mean they don't have as much to offer as somebody who's not a veteran and is a little more comfortable with self-promotion.
1: Yeah, that is such a good one. And I can think of countless times where I've seen that come to life for sure. And how great would it be to have a team of people? It's not that you want to hire veterans and not give them validation or recognition, but how <laughs> nice would it be to know that you don't have to give constant recognition and like constant validation and I don't know, it would just be a little bit of a breath of fresh air in my opinion, for sure.
0: Yeah, there's a healthy balance. You don't want the dynamic of like, my dad hugged me once and it meant the world to be because he no. never <laughs> hugged me in the other time of in my life. you don't want to hold validation <laughs> to the point where even the tiniest drop of it takes all like, this outsized. Of and I'm not saying you are advocating for that, but yeah, because you want to get beyond the gruffness type of aspect. And it's an unfortunate fact that a lot of the veterans who are prominent after their service is over some of the most intense, rough yeah. people we have. And they're telling their stories and their stories have meaning and have been important to thousands, millions of people. So I'm not trying to diminish that at all, but it's one piece of a bigger picture. And as you said, there's a sweet spot. That most veterans hit where you give them a little dopamine so they know that to stay on course, but you don't need to lavish them with praise in order for them to feel valued.
1: Yeah, but you are right. Like if I can think of and I'm sure we're thinking of the same people who are out there sharing their story, their mission, their speaking, they have great books. And you're right. It is one aspect of the military. And so it's so great to have another aspect with your book. A couple of questions I have is like, where can folks get your book and where can they follow you? Where can they learn from you? Anyone listening to the show who wants to grab that?
0: Certainly. I'm such a good self-promoter. I have not even said what the book is called. That's how natural (laughs) I am at this. Thanks to my military service. No, the book is called How to Deal with Damn Near Anything, The Paratrooper's Guide to Life. I'm sure you're partial to slight profanity in the titles of things. What do you
1: mean? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, how to deal with damn near anything the paratrooper's guide to life. You can get it off Amazon, or you can ask for it by name at any local bookstore, and it's in the systems that allow them to order you a copy if you want to support a local place instead. To follow me, just go to my website, johnmclaughlin.com or even better, look me up on LinkedIn. That's where you'll be able to get in touch with me easiest and ask me any questions you have about the the military, the lessons it has to share or anything else that's on your mind.
1: Amazing. And we'll drop everything in the show notes. And I'm also going to tell you, you're better at sales than you give yourself credit.
0: Proving slowly.
1: (laughs) I bet if you were to just maybe read a couple. I don't know. You probably have already read books, but you're pretty good at sales. So don't sell yourself too short by any means.
0: I appreciate that. Thank you. See a little validation will go a long way. You're good. You're good
1: for the rest of the year. Nobody needs to tell you nice things. You're set. I'll let my boss know. Yeah, exactly. Good. I'm so grateful you came on the show. I personally can't wait to read the book. And I think there's gonna be so many lessons for sure for folks listening to the show. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you
0: for having me. It was fun.
1: Awesome. We'll talk soon listeners and make sure to check out his website, go connect on LinkedIn. LinkedIn and go get a copy of the book. All right, folks, that's a wrap for today's episode. I hope that you found our discussion valuable and insightful and you are inspired to go out and be a good boss just wanted to take a second to remind you that staying compliant with all HR and legal stuff is crucial for your business's success. And if you're wondering about your HR compliance or want to make sure that you're implementing some best practices, I got something for you. If you go over to my company's website, peopleprinciples.co, There is a free compliance and best practices checklist waiting for you. It's right on the homepage and it's like having a mini HR audit at your fingertips. It's literally what we do with our clients when we start working with them. So go ahead and check it out. You won't regret it. You're going to learn a lot of stuff about what you can do better and what you can fix and what you can start to implement. So head over there and get your checklist. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode.